Welcome to today's PCT podcast. I'm PCT Senior Digital Editor and Managing Editor, Brad Harbison. I'm happy to have as my guest today, Mike Merchant, the Professor and Extension Urban Entomologist at Texas A&M University. And I know at PCT, in, in speaking with PCOs, we've been hearing that tick control has been a growth segment for them this year. Uh, with more people working at home and staying at home for staycations, they're wanting to keep their yards and outdoor living spaces tick-free. And at the same time, for many PCOs, tick control is a relatively new service offering. So we wanted to catch up with Mike uh, for a primer on tick control and also to learn about some of the work that Texas A&M is doing with ticks. Mike, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Brad. It's nice to uh, be with you virtually today. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, just to start with, what, uh, what are the most common types of ticks that U.S. citizens encounter? So, I mean, we've got a big country and there's a lot of ticks that are uh, native or imported to the U.S. here. But um, the number one tick as far as pest control goes is probably the brown dog tick. It's found in every uh, continental U.S. state. It, um, it is associated with dogs primarily. They will bite people, but uh, primarily a, a pest of dogs. And um, they... Uh, can be are, are really one of the only ticks that uh, in pest control we find indoors and commonly in backyards. The other ticks that uh, we, we're concerned about are some of the uh, like American dog tick and uh, Lone Star ticks, which are pretty common and readily bite humans as well as pets. And then we, we also have the deer tick, which of course is infamous for its uh, ability to transmit Lyme disease in certain parts of the country. And that's, that's an issue really throughout the U.S., but especially up in the northeastern part of the U.S., New England and upper Midwest states where Lyme disease is very prevalent. So those, those are the major tick species we're, we're dealing with in pest control and that we see people bring in as far as samples go. And Mike, how does weather impact what type of a tick season a particular region experiences? And can you also talk about some of the studies that Texas A&M has done regarding weather's impact on ticks? So uh, I can only speak in very general terms on the, the research, but uh, in general, when you have a, uh, a mild winter followed by uh, a more humid or wet spring, that, that's usually pretty good for ticks and fleas and, and a lot of other uh, parasite-type uh, arthropods. So um, that's, that's just kind of a warning. If you have those kind of conditions, that these are things you might want to start looking out for. Although ticks seem to do quite well in very dry weather as well. So it may be just the setup uh, of the wet spring to get things going. And uh, once, once you hit the heat of summer, ticks still seem to thrive. And I know that uh, A&M sent out that uh, uh, kind of a, a news item there about um, kind of theorizing about how this year's uh, winter weather might have impacted the tick season in Texas. Can you talk about that? And how has that sort of played out? Is it, is it kind of played out as you'd expected? Well, we don't, you know, and part of that, part of the study done by A&M is basically saying we don't know a lot of stuff about ticks and, and uh, there's nobody really uh, keeping track of trends of ticks across the U.S. and that includes Texas as well. Um, I, I sit here in my extension entomology desk and, and, you know, occasionally get calls on ticks, um, but 
but not enough to really track exactly what's going on with sick populations in Texas or in neighboring states. Um, I, I don't see anything unusual about this year, but, but one of the things that is of concern to entomologists and, and has been covered in, by numerous papers recently is the expansion of ranges of different species of ticks. So we're starting to see Lone Star Tick, for example, further north uh, than we've ever seen it before. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, of course, it's, it's easy to attribute that to climate change, and that, that very well may be what it is, but certainly the warmer temperatures, uh, the more tick species are going to be favored, uh, be, be in environments that uh, are favorable with that, that heat. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mike, as you know, with, with PCT, we, uh, a lot of our audience are the, the technicians, the men and women out in the field doing the work. And you know, what type of precautions in terms of clothing and PPE should service professionals consider when they're treating for ticks? Sure. So, um, especially if you're in, in deer tick country, you're going to want to be very careful whenever you have to step off the path, so to speak, and, and get into a backyard or in a, in a wooded situation. Uh, for any kind of pest control, if you're setting out rodent traps or anything like that, you need to you need to take steps to protect yourself from ticks. Now, the most important thing is to check yourself daily for ticks, because ticks, despite all, all of our precautions, you can still pick up a tick, and and um, uh, it, they may they typically wander around on our bodies, uh, on our clothes, for several hours before. Uh, attaching to the skin, and once they attach, it takes it, it may take 24 to 48 hours before uh, they may be injecting uh, disease pathogens that could make us sick. Especially with Lyme disease, it's usually there's usually a waiting period of uh, 48 hours or so before the tick becomes infective. So daily checking is really important. Uh, insect repellent like uh, DEET. Uh, can be very effective to help repel ticks, um, <clears throat> although probably not quite as effective as it is for mosquitoes. And uh, another tool that a lot of people have been uh, getting a lot of use out of recently are, is uh, clothes that have been impregnated with permethrin, which is one of our common pyrethroid insecticides. And these uh, permethrin-treated clothes were actually developed by the U.S. military uh, for uniform treatments for soldiers. And uh, most of these uh, clothings can withstand dozens of washings before they, they lose their repellency and lethality to ticks. So, um, the, and, and it is even something that you can make yourself. There are, um, there are formulations of permethrin that can be, are designed to be sprayed on clothing. Uh, you don't spray it on your skin. You don't, you don't spray it on clothes while you're wearing them, but you spray it uh, on the clothes and then uh, let it dry, and then it's wearable, and typically will last more than 30 washes um, without without uh, leaching out. So those are the those are the three things I would suggest: is you know consider using an insect repellent, um, impre impre insecticide impregnated clothing, and daily checking for ticks. The other thing that you can do that will help a little is um, also. Some people will take some duct tape and duct tape the bottom of their sh uh, pants to their shoes. They create a seal down there to keep ticks from climbing up or, uh, and or tucking um, pants into socks, which helps quite a bit because the ticks are typically getting on our, our skin 
by crawling up shoes and going up the socks and getting up in the legs under the pants. And, and so just uh, sealing off that opening at the bottom of the cuffs is very, is very effective at, at, at slowing ticks down and preventing getting a hotter person. And Mike, uh, of course, when we're talking with uh, public health pests, uh, the role of education is so important for our service professionals. And you know, what type of information should technicians provide to homeowners about uh, habitat modification and also with pets um, in order to reduce the chances of ticks? So, um, yeah, habitat modification is, is difficult because most people have their yards and backyards the way they want them. And if you uh, if you back up to a wooded area, you want, kind of want your backyard to look like that. But if you want tick-free areas, the best thing you can do, or at least tick-suppressed areas, the best thing you can do is keep your grass cut short, um, turn some of the brushy area into into grass, and and that'll be less conducive to ticks. Um, <clears throat> pets keep a tick. Insect, uh, tick, uh, a caricide on the pet, uh, especially during tick season. That's going to keep uh, the animal from bringing ticks into the house and, and having any uh, really embedded and, and uh, engorged from their blood, protect the, the pet. And, uh, and also um, <clears throat> consider treatment of the turf grass areas around the house. If if ticks are a big issue, uh, treatment with permethrin or one of the other pyrethroid insecticides labeled for ticks is is a can be an effective treatment. Uh, it's usually not practical, of course, out in the woods. Uh, so it's the it's the home treatment, the perimeter treatments around the home that that you can uh, actually provide some protection. In uh, deer tick infested areas where this is a big issue and you know children are active outside. Um, there are some other treatments. There's, there are some uh, impre uh, insecticide impregnated cotton balls that can be placed out. And um, the, actually the rodents will take these, these uh, cotton balls into their nests and incorporate them in nesting material. And uh, if they're treated with permethrin or, or pyrethroid, it actually uh, treats the rodents so that they don't get the ticks and, and spread the disease via ticks. So, there are there are some that is an option for deer tick infested areas. Mike, what kind of what types of questions does Texas A&M Extension get from homeowners about ticks? Well, it's usually after the fact. Most people uh, bring us ticks after they've been bitten, and uh, want to know if the tick is infected with a disease. And and um, you know we actually sometimes we have uh, universities that are doing research on on that, and we can. Uh, suggest that they direct them to send the tick in for uh, identification and for testing. But a lot of times, the best piece of advice is, uh, and this is true for your customers as well, uh, if somebody's been bitten by a tick, uh, I'd suggest strongly that they just take the tick, put it in a Ziploc bag, stick it in the freezer, put the date and location of the, the tick on the bag, and forget about it. And uh, unless, unless somebody gets sick, if there's uh, flu-like symptoms, of course now with coronavirus we have to worry about any kind of flu being coronavirus, but keep in mind that, that many of the tick-borne diseases will also start out with flu-like symptoms. So um, if you get flu-like symptoms, then you grab that bag that's in the freezer 
and bring it with you to the doctor and say, hey, you know, doctor, I don't, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I was bitten by a tick on such and such a day. And uh, that at least alerts the physician to consider tick-borne disease and di- doing a diagnosis. So if you come up negative for COVID and, uh, and you bring your tick in and, and uh, they, they can test you for Lyme or other diseases that, that might be tick-borne. And Mike, uh, regarding tick management programs, uh, what type of products can be used and, and what are some protocols that the PCO should follow when it comes to treating for ticks? So um, ticks are pretty straightforward. I mean, they're going to live in brush and, and low-lying uh, vegetation. So um, treatment of the, of the foliage around the backyard. Um, if you have uh, brown dog ticks, if they are an issue, brown dog ticks are a little different in, in some respects in that uh, they they feed on the pet and then they exit the pet pet after a, a meal and they get right back on the same pet later on if that's the animal that's available in the backyard. In between those feedings, uh, brown dog ticks will climb. Their their instinctive behavior is to climb a vertical surface. So with brown dog ticks, it's very important to also treat vertical surfaces in the backyard. So fences, uh, tree trunks, uh, sides of the house, all the way up to the soffit uh, need to be treated with a residual insecticide, typically pyrethroid, and uh, in, in addition to you know treating the grass in the backyard. So uh, those vertical surfaces are, are really critical with brown dog tick. Now brown dog tick, uh, didn't really mention this too much earlier, but brown dog tick is um, one of the few ticks, or only tick, I would say, that uh, will infest homes. And uh, <clears throat> that happens when a tick drops, a, a mature tick that's just fed, a female who's dropped off the animal inside the house and lays an egg mass. And that egg mass may have several thousand eggs in it, and those uh, baby ticks can hatch out indoors, and uh, the homeowner will be, of course, horrified to see little ticks crawling up the walls in the house. And that's, that's where the on-animal treatments are so important. Um, they can be, if, if that happens to where ticks are, are uh, emerging inside a home, um, lower wall treatment with, with a residual pyrethroid, and even, even just using something as, as uh, practical as wide sticky uh, masking tape to, to lift the ticks off um, by the hundreds off a wall can be useful as well. But um, the brown dog tick is, is one that if you've never encountered an infest, infestation, it's, it's surprising because you just don't expect ticks to be indoors. The other thing, uh, Brad, I would say is uh, identification is so important. Um, I mean, broad, brown dog tick is um, not too difficult to identify by the shapes of its mouth parts. And there are keys in malice and other uh, pest control references. You can find them online. It will help you out if you have a microscope to identify a tick. But um, I get calls all the time, uh, people saying, I've got fleas, I've got ticks. And when you actually see the picture of the critter that they're looking at, it's something else. And uh, we just had that with the weevils emerging inside a house recently. And the homeowner was sure that they had ticks. And uh, so your identification skills are so important when it comes to these guys. You don't want to be barking up the wrong tree when it comes to ticks infesting a home. 
And Mike, you were talking about making some of those outside uh, residual perimeter treatments. Um, what frequency do applications need to be made in order to really give you good control? And or or maybe maybe another way to ask that is, what are some of the variables that need to be considered when determining um, how many applications need to be made? Typically, pyrethroid applications are going to last for three to four weeks outdoors. Uh, and that's just a broad generalization, but that's, that's probably fair for most of the later generation pyrethroid insecticides. Uh, of course, weather does have an impact on that. If you have heavy rains, uh, that it's going to help um, degrade those a little faster or maybe lots of really bright sunlight. Um, but in general, you, I would say rule of thumb is a monthly treatments are are usually uh, adequate for tick tick management in the backyard, um, and uh, that would even even with some rain, pyrethroids are fairly rain rain resistant. Um, it's just it's just extremes of weather that might affect that residual. Mike, uh, as I mentioned before, tick control for some PCOs is, is a new service offering. And for those PCOs that are considering getting into this line of work and, and launching a program, uh, tick control program, what are some resources that they can uh, call on to to learn uh, the best way about uh, setting up such a program? Well, I don't know of any specific uh, protocols that have been written for tick management. Um, but I would, in, would advise that you check with your state ex, uh, cooperative extension agency and see what publications they, they provide on ticks. Um, <clears throat> the NPMA field guide uh, for, to structural pests is also very useful. And uh, it could be a resource, especially in, in the identification and understanding the basics of the, of the biology of the ticks. Um, the CDC will have some information online uh, about ticks and ticks ident tick identification and the diseases that ticks carry. So um, I think those those are the main resources that I would that I would point someone to. Good deal. All right. Well, Mike, uh, that's all I had for you. But uh, thanks again for, for taking some time with us and uh, sharing some of your knowledge and uh, some of the experiences you get at Texas A&M Extension uh, in, in terms of questions you get from uh, homeowners and, and uh, you know, telling our, our readers a little bit more about ticks. Appreciate you joining us. Okay. Well, thanks for having me, Brad. Uh, Y'all be safe out there. Great. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in today and have a great day.